1: Bring in show music, please.
0: This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our podcast, the world watches Afghanistan. Marines and civilians show bravery and selflessness amid chaos and a rising death toll.
2: Felt like a gut punch. Just everyone, I think, around the entire country. They're heroes. They are.
0: COVID-19 Delta variant continues to spread across the U.S. And former White House health advisor Dr. Zeke Emanuel says vaccinations for adults are the key to keeping our children safe in their classrooms.
1: About 22% of new cases are now among kids. So we really do need to be much more vigilant, especially because many of them can under 12 can't get vaccinated.
0: And despite COVID, the show must go on. For the U.S. Open, at least. U.S. Tennis Association CEO Michael Dowsey on a safe tournament.
3: It's much like a Mets game or a Yankees game. We won't be requiring vaccines at this point. We know it's a fluid situation, so if that changes, we'll quickly communicate it.
0: Those stories, plus retails feeling a supply chain squeeze, all that on this Friday, August 27, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now.
4: Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Melissa Lee, along with Joe Kernan. Becky and Andrew are off today. It is Friday, TGIF.
2: Is. Yeah. <laughs> Not the greatest Friday, kind of a tough Friday, but it is Friday. There are times I like to hide in the refuge of the mundane bond market, Fed, all that stuff. This is one of those days where I'm almost glad what we cover, because we, exactly. we can go and just cover this stuff and do our job. And the tough stuff, uh, man, President Biden addressing, you know, those guys are getting up. Well, they're already up, but guys and gals were over there doing what they did yesterday. Trying to get people out after just knowing what the risks are. They're amazing. President Biden addressing the country yesterday after a deadly day in Afghanistan. 13 U.S. service members were killed, 18 wounded uh, after two suicide bombers detonated explosives near Kabul's airport.
3: To those who carried out this attack, as well as anyone who wishes America harm, know this. We will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you
5: down and make you pay.
2: A group called ISIS-K claimed responsibility for the attack. President Biden said he ordered commanders uh, to develop plans to strike ISIS-K assets, leadership, and facilities. In the meantime, the American withdrawal, as I've alluded to, continues. Since the end of July, more than 101,000 people have been evacuated from the country, including about 5,000 U.S. citizens uh, and, their, um, and their families. Interesting Piece in the journal, like an enemy of my enemy type thing. I mean, the Taliban has been fighting ISIS-K, clan, not clandestinely, but it hasn't been covered right. in American media very much. And, you know, the Taliban, it's so warped what's going on. They were supposed to provide security. They were supposed yeah. to be providing security for people coming into the airport. So the question is, someone, I guess, that was dressed as as an Afghani. Afghani Citizen trying to leave. Yeah, they breached breached it. But you wonder how tough the Taliban security is. Or if they
4: let them in. I mean, we don't know how it happened.
2: And the Taliban, I don't know whether any Taliban were killed. I'm sure maybe there there were some, but they probably, nobody wanted it to happen. The Taliban probably didn't want it to happen either. But it doesn't necessarily not play into their long-term interests. So, uh, you know, and and if you were one of the guys or gals knowing that, the threat is not over. How do you, who are these, these men and women that are able to get up and, and do their job after a day like yesterday? It's just amazing. Is They're it heroes. not? They're heroes. They are. Let's get to uh, Eamon Javers now about that. Uh, felt like a gut punch. Just to, to Everyone, I think, uh, around the entire country. Uh, Eamon is in Washington, D.C. Good morning, Eamon.
5: Good morning, Joe. You're right. The numbers are tough to hear. What happened yesterday was twin blasts and what the United States is calling a complex attack involving suicide bombers and ISIS gunmen attacking a checkpoint outside the airport in Kabul. Here are the numbers that we have as of right now in terms of total casualties, and they are tough to take, Joe, as you say. 13 Americans killed, 95 Afghans killed, according to the Associated Press. That number is in some flux as they go hospital by hospital and try to figure out uh, exactly what the the total there is. So that number could move a little bit. Uh, The White House has just released this new number, 12,500 more people evacuated from Afghanistan over the past 24 hours. ISIS-K is the entity that has claimed responsibility. That is a splinter group from the Taliban that is at war with the Taliban, so they are at odds with the Taliban, even though they share some ideological overlap. There is a struggle now for control of the country in the power vacuum of the U.S. withdrawal and the collapse of the Afghan national government, Uh, and this is the collateral damage from that power struggle that's going on right now. President Biden at the White House yesterday addressing the nation he was by turns so sorrowful, and defiant in terms of both the U.S. response here and also his defense of his decision to withdraw American forces entirely from the country. So a very difficult and complicated situation here. Remember, the withdrawal deadline is August 31st. That's self-imposed by the United States. But the Taliban has said they want to see that held to as well. That's Tuesday. Today is Friday. That doesn't leave a whole lot of time to evacuate remaining American citizens and Afghan allies out of the country. Uh, The president suggested yesterday Yesterday, that not every Afghan who wants to leave will be able to leave the country ultimately uh, the president is also vowing revenge against ISIS k at the same time he 's trying to complete this evacuation of all military forces from the country. I talked to a former high ranking u s military official in Afghanistan yesterday who said uh, that any military action in Afghanistan going forward is going to be extraordinarily complicated by the fact that we no longer have any bases there uh, or any bases really in the region to operate out of, and that means that any drone strikes or the like are going to have to emanate from the Gulf uh, initially, and 60 percent of a drone's capacity is going to be taken in just traveling to and from Afghanistan. That doesn't leave a whole lot of time over target uh, for anybody uh, who's trying to contemplate the revenge that the president was talking about there. So uh, a very difficult, intractable situation. Uh, and, and the most difficult part of it all is that U.S. officials now are saying uh, that, in fact, they expect more of this, not less, in the days to come. Joe, back over to you.
2: That's where I was going to to go, Amen. I because we're still involved, as you said. I was surprised to hear how many uh, in the last 24 hours, and, and a lot a lot of that had to be even after what happened yesterday. So they're still doing that. they're still doing their thing over there, getting people out, knowing full well that there are warnings that there could be uh, more attacks. So they, what? That's you told us what you know. So they're expecting more attacks. We don't have any more clarity on, on what that means, where it's coming from, how we know, how likely it is. What can we do? Can we right. we've co-opted the Taliban for security to some extent. Can can things get toughened up? Can we ask the ta- I mean I can't believe these questions. Can can we ask the Taliban
5: to toughen up the security at at the gates? We we can. Uh, and what you don't know is you know, the ISIS-K has recruited its own members out of the Taliban, right? ISIS-K think of as a more extreme version of the Taliban who doesn't think the Taliban is going far enough. So some of the hardest line Taliban fighters are susceptible to recruitment by ISIS-K. So what we don't know is the initial checkpoint manned by the Taliban and then the secondary t- checkpoint manned by the United States, uh, whoever conducted this attack presumably got through the first checkpoint. We don't know if that was deliberate, right, by the Taliban, people on the ground, whoever that faction was, and it's a very divisive coalition of fighters, whoever that faction was, did they let them through intentionally as part of an alliance or just turn a blind eye? Or was this attacking force somehow able to dupe the Taliban at that checkpoint? We, we just don't know that as of right now. Uh, but, look, I talked to, uh, again, this U.S. Uh, former high-ranking military official in Afghanistan who said there are ways to harden up the exterior perimeter of the airport, uh, including uh, having you, you want to have long, snaking concrete barriers so people are more or less in single file for the long line rather than a large crowd gathered in a clump. And that is, unfortunately, to limit the damage that a suicide bomber could do if they're able to get in and detonate. There's only so many people within the blast radius if you have a long snaking line rather than a a huge crowd uh, mashed up against the fence, which is what we've had so far. So there are tactics and techniques that they can put in place. Uh, But to your point, Joe, I think about the pilot's uh, and the staff and the crew Get who are at that out. air base right now, They're getting shot who, are, who are potentially getting shot at. The U- U.S. military says that they don't think that they have the man pad ca- capability to take out a U.S. Uh, aircraft there, but they say that the U.S. military aircraft are using all kinds of defensive mechanisms because they know that somebody, a lot of people on the ground do want to take a shot at them. And I also think, Joe, of the Marines who were on that wall yesterday and, and you know, no. the, the harsh what reality the, is they're back on the United wall States today. Had, standing,
2: it's, they're standing there, yes. standing there, not knowing any yes. minute.
5: And, and they stood there yesterday, Joe, uh, these Marines who these Marines who were killed stood there yesterday at a point when the United States had intelligence that an attack was likely coming. They even had intelligence that suggested that that gate was under attack. You have to presume that that intelligence was passed to those very Marines who were there. Uh, they went and stood on that line anyway, Joe, yesterday, and they held that line yesterday.
2: You know, it, now they know that a lot of the people that they know in the armed services or the, even their fathers that that fought for the last 20 years, all they're trying to do now is just help people get out of a failed war, of a failed mission and, and all those lives that now just seem to be lost in vain. And they're still there. With their lives on the line just to get these people out there. where do these men and women yeah. come from amen it's 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 amazing it is incredible the uh the study from the uk found that the risk of rare blood clotting uh, is significantly higher as a result of catching covid uh, than from being vaccinated against the virus uh, the peer-reviewed study uh, was conducted by researchers from oxford university and several other british universities uh, in hospitals, and data analyzed more than 29 million people who received either uh, one dose of AstraZeneca or of Pfizer's vaccine, and they estimated that out of 107, that 107 out of 10 million people would be hospitalized or die from low platelet counts with 28, uh, uh, with the kind of 28 days of receiving AstraZeneca vaccine. By contrast, that number rose to 934 people uh, per 10 million following a positive COVID test. Uh, the researchers also found the clotting risk remained elevated for a longer period of time after COVID than it did following the vaccination. I'm surprised that 935, can you believe we, we can even, do we have the limits of resolution to, to, to confidently uh, 930, 934 out of 10 million? I need scientific notation to figure that out, but that's a small number.
4: It's good news though,
2: the confirmation. It's almost good news that COVID doesn't cause it as much, but it causes so many other things uh, that'll kill you.
4: Peloton shares are sharply lower. Loss of $1.05. A share was worse than the $0.45 loss analysts expected. Peloton also said it faces faces higher commodity costs and freight prices, and it plans to ramp up marketing spending in the months ahead. Revenue growth slowed from more than a billion dollars in the prior quarter to just $937 million. That's in part of the recall of its treadmill products in May over safety problems. Its cheaper treadmill uh, model is set to go back on sale next week. Meantime, Peloton lowered the price of its less expensive bike by about 20% to $1495. It's also rolling out new monthly financing options for the more expensive bike plus and a treadmill to try to make the products more affordable. It's all about margin pressure, Joe, and we've heard it for from so many different kinds of companies in terms of higher material costs, a mix shift change here in this case,
2: uh, retail, and that, that's all about the uh Supply chain, not all about it, but many of the, the, the companies that did miss, uh, that's North what it has straight. to do with. Yeah. It's best. And then you think about you think about the ones where, that are really price sensitive and a slight move in input because they make no money anyway, or right. Dollar Tree, something like that, they're going to be pressured by that because they don't have a lot of room to raise prices exactly. based on everything.
4: That's yeah, been. we saw the impact of, of a stranded container ship right? In one of the dollar stores and the impact... There in the quarter.
2: And then think if, you're, think if you're back to school type operation. When Are people going back to school?
4: I mean, back to school, they're thinking about holiday season. They're thinking about Christmas and right. whether or not this stuff is going to be solved by Christmas with all the goods that you want.
2: Some people are going to back shelf. to school, but that's not what we thought right. it was going to be three months ago.
4: No. It's right. a big, There's a big question, mark, question mark there. Um, meantime, we're also watching shares of Gap. They are sharply higher. Earnings of $0.70 cents a share beat estimates of $0.46. Cents. Revenue also beat the company. Raised its full year guidance for earnings. Net sales growth and operating margin. A Gap also acquired e-commerce startup Draper, an online app that lets people try on clothing virtually. Gap said it would help customers find the best clothing sizes and reduce unnecessary returns. Why are you um, grimacing about that?
2: How do you try on clothes virtually? I mean, that, that's have like a picture of yourself. Are you na- is like a naked emperor? It's like, no, I have clothes on. You're I don't understand. I don't
4: think you have to be naked. Well, how
2: it's if you're virtually I mean, virtual. trying on. Well, you have your underwear on. Maybe I don't know. It just it sounded weird. I, the whole new world. The
4: things ha- you think of at six o'clock in the morning are just a marvel.
2: Really. With global supply chains. Uh, it, <laughs> I know. The Russians and the Speedos—you really, mean, really that's got you. your
4: mind underwear. underwear uh, no, 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 no. It's it's vir- on,
2: Virtually dress. Like I'm not thinking about underwear. I'm thinking about, about what does that mean to try on clothes virtually? You don't have to go into a dressing room. No, you don't. You don't it's think of what convenient. do you think it's of? You just think about what the prompter says. Don't you? Isn't your no. mind working? In in it does
4: it, it makes me think? You hear Russians? There's, there's less friction to me actually making a purchase. If you think okay, if you think Russians are going
2: to the beach. How can you not think about, like, guys that look like Boris Yeltsin wearing one of those small bathing suits? How can you not? I just don't. Okay. Well, <laughs> then you're going to happen to be at a beach because you weren't for one. And With global, yeah, oh. like, the, like Munch.
3: Ah.
0: Coming up on Squawk Pod kids are physically back in classrooms, but former White House health advisor Dr. Zeke Emanuel says we have one big thing left to do to keep them safe.
1: It does seem to me that we have been, you know, circulating this, being very ginger about a mandate, but I think we need a nationwide mandate. Why do we have this extremely effective intervention and, you know, roughly half the population not using it?
0: Back to school
6: after this.
0: This is Squawk Pod from CNBC,
4: today with Joe Kernan and Melissa Lee. Here's Melissa. In other COVID news, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker will mandate vaccines for teachers, hospital workers, college students, and nursing home staff. Those who are unable or unwilling to get vaccinated will be required to get weekly COVID tests. Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear out with a warning. A third of the state's acute care hospitals are reporting critical staffing shortages as COVID hospitalizations hit a new record for the fifth straight day. He pleaded with residents to get vaccinated, wear masks, and avoid large gatherings. Just 56 percent of the state's population has received at least one vaccine dose. Since March 1st, 91% of Kentucky's COVID hospitalizations have been unvaccinated. The Democratic governor said he would enact another statewide ma- mask mandate indoors, but he can't because the State Supreme Court sided with the Republican legislature on Saturday to strip some of his executive authority and dissolve Kentucky's state of emergency.
2: Our next guest has important tips for how schools can stay open amid rising COVID concerns. Uh, let's welcome Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, vice provost of Global Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. He served as White House uh, health policy advisor in the Obama administration, was a member of the Biden uh, transition team's COVID-19 advisory board. Zika, in summary, uh, vaccinate as many staff and students as possible. Establish accessible testing. Uh, everyone, even vaccinated people, need to wear high-quality masks indoors, uh, take uh, any special get togethers, pizza, things like that, things like that, move them outside and improve ventilation uh, of classrooms. All the, those are your in a nutshell. Those are the five things that that uh, that you advocate for in in the current uh, environment we find
1: ourselves. Yes. And, you know, one of the things I uh, should note is that, you know, 12 to 15 year olds are eligible for the vaccine. And yet only nationwide, 35 percent of them have been vaccinated. Uh, that's really uh, way too low. We need to ramp that up to 95%, 96%. Um, only uh, students with good medical excuses because of uh, their immunocompromised or have other problems shouldn't be vaccinated. I mean, that's a number that we can really boost. Similarly, 16 to 17-year-olds are under 50%. We have to ramp that up as well.
2: If if everybody, if if there's a vaccine mandate or close to it for a college, and these are young people to start with, so they're mostly vaccinated, then who are you protecting with, with, the, with the mask mandate indoors if everybody's... Are you protecting the students that aren't vaccinated that have, have decided not to? And we know that in the past, we've, there's been at least some conjecture that young people, since they seem to do better with COVID, that perhaps you don't need to be quite as stringent. This is a zero-tolerance
1: policy that,
2: that you're still that you're advocating here?
1: Well, first of all, we are seeing a lot of spread among children. Um, We, about 22% of new cases are now among uh, kids. Uh, So we really do need to be much more vigilant, especially because many of them cannot, uh, under 12 can't get vaccinated. Uh, Even among college students, um, I think that we know that the Delta virus spreads Um, We know that you can be asymptomatic, especially if you've got had a vaccine and still be infected with the Delta virus. And therefore, you can unwittingly, not intentionally spread it to others. The point of a mask is to protect you from other people, but also to protect other people from you. And I think in the United States, we also have to um, one of the things I like to emphasize is move up on the quality of the mask, the wearing of the mask. Uh, We need N95 masks that are very, very well fitted. I'll say that's what I'm passing out to my students when I go back next week at Penn.
2: I'm just thinking about what the future looks like. And and hopefully, I don't know what you think the maximum amount of vaccination percentage we can get in this country. But on colleges, I would think you're, you're going to get pretty high. And if asymptomatic people are spreading it to asymptomatic people, it just seems at some point, you don't need to be quite as, as stringent about it. It, it. What number would allow you, Zeke, in the future, is it 90% of the country gets vaccinated? Could we take the masks off? Because even at 90, asymptomatic people that are double vaccinated can get it and spread it to asymptomatic people who are double vaccinated who could then, I guess, run into someone somewhere at some point to get. So you see what I'm saying? We could we could essentially just be a mask. We could get permanent masks in your world. Now, we're not like.
1: going to get we're not going to get to permanent masks. All right, what do we
2: need to get to so, in terms in of percentage vaccinated? What do we need to get in
1: to situation a college? a university like the University of Pennsylvania, we live in a larger community. A lot of our students live outside. They go in and out of a community. And those communities are much less than 90, 95 percent vaccinated the way the university will be. So we're protecting Vacc- the unvaccinated. We need to get, they, you know, they, they need to get vaccinated, obviously. That's what, what needs to happen. You say obviously. So then the question is, what's the social <laughs> right. policy? What is the governmental policy to getting people vaccinated? Who's going to mandate it? It does seem to me that we have been, you know, circulating this being very ginger about a mandate, but I think we need a uh, nationwide mandate. Why do we have this extremely effective intervention and, you know, roughly half the population not using it? Some of them are not eligible, but there are plenty of people in the country, as I mentioned, among uh, young adolescents, 12 to 15 year olds that are eligible, but not accessing it. I'm hoping when we do
2: the kids, when we do the kids, because that's the thing, the asymptomatic double vax can give it to an asymptomatic double vax. And then the, the, the thing you're worried about is the kid that, that finally results from that chain of, of transmission who's not vaccinated. But if we get them vaccinated at that point, can we finally?
1: Yeah, well, then, then you're going to have the situation where the virus will be dying out because there won't right. be any go away. vulnerable right. people. That's the place we want to be. We're far from that place. And when we're far from that place, we need to vaccinate people, we need to wear masks, we need to improve the ventilation in school. All that's doable, and all that can make going to school much safer and make parents at ease. And that's the important point. It's about the psychology of going around in society when we're not worried about being infected. Frightening, I, I, you know,
2: COVID's so scary. I just don't understand the, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand, I was, I was scared. Uh, to death before, and then you get the thing, and all, it's a real relief. It's almost liberating to to feel like the worst case scenario is taken off the table. I, so you, I
1: agree with you. You got me have there. We got to get more Americans to feel Give me that. Give I'm going to call you.
2: Give me a booster. I think I, I'm going to I'm going to call you. I think you you probably okay. got the. You could probably do it. You can call. You can make a call. I could get it. Doctor Emmanuel thanks. Thank you.
5: Cheese will be next.
0: Next on Squawk Pod. We're hitting the courts. Rafa Nadal, Roger Federer, and Serena and Venus Williams will not compete in the U.S. Open this year. But don't worry. USTA CEO Michael Dowsey says there's plenty of talent left to see.
3: We still have 19 of the top 20 women in the world competing in the tournament. On the men's side, we have 17 of the top 20 men competing.
0: We'll be
6: right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx
0: This is Squawk Pod. Welcome back.
2: Good morning and welcome back uh, to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernel along with Alyssa Lee. Becky and Andrew are off today. You know that. They're not here. The U.S. Open uh, begins Monday. It's usually a big moneymaker for New York, but this year's U.S. Open is now uh, without several of its top stars. Serena Williams, Venus Williams, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, all withdrawing, citing injuries. Joining us now... USTA CEO Michael Dallas as I said that's seven letters uh, but we know what we're (laughs) talking we understand what we're saying USTA CEO Michael uh, good morning I don't I miss everyone who's not there but you know we've we've had to deal with not having a full sports venue for a couple of years so the excitement should still be pretty high I would think
3: yeah hi Joe thanks for having me Uh, it is disappointing to, to miss some of the top stars as They've been wonderful champions literally for almost 20 years, so it is a little bit of a changing of the guard. We're not counting them out by any means, and we hope those champions are back next year. But we do have a lot of depth this year. Uh, surprisingly, you know, if you think about the big names to, uh, missing the tournament, we still have 19 of the top 20 women in the world competing in the tournament, including Naomi Osaka, our past champion. On the men's side, we have 17 of the top 20 men competing, and of course, Novak. Going for the first Grand Slam in 52 years, believe it or not. So we're excited with the quality of field we have, and maybe more importantly, and equally important, it's so much, it's so exciting to have fans coming back this year after having no fans last year. Exactly,
2: and, and Mike, I'm thinking, you know, if you were a total homer and, and only like American stars. Up, We'd have a kind of a problem with men's tennis right now, wouldn't we? Uh, and it and it's not really that new. Who do we? Anyone in the top uh, seventeen that you just talked about that are going to be there? Who should who should we be pulling for if we did want to want to root for an American?
3: Good question. And we absolutely want American champions as the governing body of American tennis. Um, I love our depth. Uh, I just threw some statistics at you. I'll throw a, f- a few more at you. We actually have fourteen of the top hundred players in the world are American. That's more than any other uh, country. That's on the men's side, and on the women's side, of course, we've had a ton of success. Yes, and we have 16 of the top 100 players in the world that are American. So we like our depth. The future's looking bright, but we, yeah, absolutely want a Grand Slam champion on the men's side. It's been a few years since we've had that.
2: Trying to figure out, not not, not Andy, who, you know, I, I should be paying more attention to. Was the last? Who was the last uh, <laughs> men's?
3: It, men's what? Win- it was Andy Roddick. Oh, was our it? last uh, men's Grand Slam champion.
2: I was at the uh, the semifinal match. It was a five-setter with uh, now, band, now Bandian, I think, and that was the real match because the final right. the final with Andy wasn't as consec- or it, it at least wasn't as exciting as the previous one. I got to see that was amazing. Uh, I'm worried about COVID. I'm hoping you're
3: coming out this year as well. Uh, I'll,
2: I'll be there. I will be there. Uh, but I'm, I'm oh, good. Um, good on a really good night too. I'm not going to say when because you know the crowds are big enough. I mean, if I were to disclose that, okay. uh, you don't need. Yeah. But as far as COVID, <laughs> seriously, uh, Michael, I'm, I'm worried uh, because, the, you know, before people go in, there's a lot of people around. You're not going to require either mask wearing or uh, vaccination cards. But it is it is outside. But it, it seems like people are pretty close together. Is it full occupancy? No, no, uh, no restrictions there either.
3: Well, it is. And again, I mean, we take this really seriously. And and Joe, last year, we kind of developed a playbook to help us on this. I know it was without fans, but we did over 14,000 COVID tests last year with the players and the support staff. We had a 99.97 percent negative rate. Of course, this year we have fans. So we've had to work extremely closely with the city of New York's Department of Health and the CDC. Uh, and you mentioned uh, no vaccines that we will be requiring them for our, our indoor dining and our indoor suites so that's important to know if you're coming out uh, as far as the grounds it's much like a mets game or a yankees game uh, we won't be requiring vaccines at this point we know it's a fluid situation and we'll never sacrifice health and safety so if that changes we'll quickly communicate it but the guidance we're being given now by our medical advisory group and more importantly the government officials who are experts in this area is that uh, we're okay without requiring vaccines on the grounds of the of the tennis center
2: if i'm hoping for a men's champion just give me a name what, what what's our best shot i, I know that it, you don't you all you love all your children Joe, the you same. can't put me
3: on the spot give like me three, that
2: uh, how about give me five give me, <laughs> is the big tall dude still still playing with the huge serve what's his name eisner or uh...
3: he is and we have someone another american who fits that bill riley opelica who's uh, having a great summer and uh there's just a lot of players. The field is is really wide open. But again, I yeah. think you have to think Novak may be the favorite right now.
2: Yeah, he's mentally he's like scary. He scares me. He scares me. He's so mentally tough. And you know, when the crowd starts hoping for the other guy, the other guy's gonna lose. That's just that's just Novak yeah. uh, at this point. All, all right. Well, we're, excited. we're excited about the, the ladies' side too. It's Too bad that the Williams sisters. Uh, aren't there but what now there is a lot of we have a lot of talent coming up definitely on 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 the lady side of things and they've they've been winning so that should be good thank you i don't know it, come and look me up uh look me up uh, be, as i said there might be a crowd but uh, come over and say hi if, if you see me there might be on a saturday well i look forward to seeing you maybe on a saturday Note to self, don't go on Saturday. Nah, that's not very nice. Uh, you you <laughs> have a lot of little shots like that. My, my wife says you take a lot of shots. I, go, I just ignore her. Really? Do I? I'm I sorry. I no, it's okay. I, I, believe me, I don't care.
4: <laughs> okay, I'll continue.
0: That's the show for today and for the week. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin, weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, listen and follow SquawkPod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great, safe weekend.
5: We are clear. Thanks, guys.
6: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses,